With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I know, the, the time change has made me look more prompt than I normally oh, have. Oh, yeah, you just have to all right, welcome back to The Grit. This is David Scales and Chaz Smith recording live to tape anyways from the Surfing uh, Surfrider Foundation, surfrider.org in San Clemente, California. Chaz Smith. They have nice t-shirts. They do. Yeah. Have you been wearing yours? Um, I think I have been wearing it. Yeah? Yeah. They gave me board lambs too. Not lambs, but stickers. But Are you like, sponsored? Sponsored by the Surfrider Foundation. That is pretty dude. awesome. Like, here's the deal. I'm not trying to show off. I'm trying to spread the good word for the Surfrider Foundation. But the fact that you are sponsored is impressive. They're like, hey, look at that kook. What's that sticker on his board? I don't know if it's actually a good thing for the Surfrider Foundation or not. That's a, well. You know, whatever. Win some, you lose some. No such thing as bad press. (laughs) Uh, Beachcrit.com is where all the stories come from in today's episode. They actually come from uh, between the headlines of Beachcrit.com. That's That's what I like to say. That's where we're digging in. And then uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you can find all the videos and links to articles and imagery that we discuss in this episode. Where can people follow you on Instagram? People can follow me at reports from hell. Sweet. On Insta. And then at Surf Splendor. So special episode today, Chaz. Would you like to know why? Why? Every single topic of conversation is brought specifically by the listeners. Oh, this is fantastic. It's the listener show. This is this is what we like to call the inertia. <laughs> This is all user-submitted yeah, podcast user content. User-submitted. Now, um, I posted an Instagram last night asking for story or for uh, topics of conversation. Some come from that. Others are from comments from our last episode. Others are direct email. And then um, some are just from the comments section on Beach Grid itself that had nothing to do with the podcast. Fantastic. So I'm digging in deep. I'm excited. Um, I know you got a, a vape pen sponsor over on Beach Grid. We do. You like that? Still no alcohol sponsor for no, us on this show. No, I know. What's up, dude? It's silly. And and I've expanded. I've stopped drinking vodka, even though I'll go back. I mean, I'll go wherever. But I've started just drinking straight whiskey. So Jameson, if you're listening, uh, I think there would be a nice place for you on Surf Splendor podcast. There's a million whiskeys out there. There's no need to limit it to the good people at Jameson. Sure, but I'm down to drink that. Sure, too. sure. Yeah, um, yeah, whiskey. You just taking a break from the clear stuff? I somebody had commented on Beach Grit, uh, which this you know it's not true. There's more wrong with me, but they said the only thing wrong with you is that you drink vodka, and I really took it into consideration. I thought you know the person is right, and so I just decided it was time to cut out the frou frou and go straight neat whiskey. Like straight no, neat. Yeah, no ice, no nothing. Huh. Just couples okay. of whiskey neat. I'm down for it. I'm, whiskey is kind of my drink of choice yeah, as well. So great. now you and I can drink the same thing instead of opposite. I mean, this is perfect, too. We could just sit. I feel that each uh, episode would be enhanced, would be brought to you by whiskey, mm-hmm. would be a wonderful addition. I'm all in. We'll, yeah. we'll dig that sponsor up. How's the vape pen thing going? It's good. Yeah? It's good. Yeah, those are, oh, those are good. They help with injury. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, do they really? Yeah, hot knife. Medicating. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. 
I have not taken an ibuprofen. I have a bum shoulder for the for the good good people at home. Uh, and I haven't not taken one ibuprofen or anything. I've just been vaping CBD and like the THC CBD ones, the combo. So nice. Awesome. Hot knife. Well, yeah. So we got um, – I've got more – alcohol and drug topics coming up later in the show. Perfect. So this is going to be a good episode. Uh, I was totally wrong about the Piahi challenge. The other day we actually recorded um, the day that they started that event. And I was like, I don't care about watching it. Big wave surfing sucks. Dude, I was so wrong. You loved it. Loved. Really? Love. What did you love about it? Um, I guess the spectacle of it, you like know, like, did you love the lull? No, see, there was less lull than there was than there is in other big wave events. That's the thing. The reason why I said I wasn't looking forward to it is it's always lolly. There's a lot of downtime, and then a big mushy wave comes. This wasn't that. This was a lot more activity, and then the waves that came were spectacular. It wasn't mushy. Obviously, Jaws isn't as mushy as other big wave spots, but there were, and then there were eight waves in a set. So when the set came, you see every single rider get fair opportunity where it's an actual competition. It's not just whoever gets the best wave. Did you, are you a full convert convert or just converted to this event? I'll tell you what, dude. Um, I'm kind of a late adapter to most things. Mm. I don't like to risk myself or my own good name by going out there. So last Piahi challenge was the first step of conversion. This is the second. And then the eddy came along and that was kind of a second step. So this you're a, you're a big wave. You're a big wave surf fan as kind of, of, as of today right now. I kind of am yeah. as of our last show, basically that did the, uh, the jaws challenge. Uh, God bless them all. They're all heroes. They're fantastic human beings. The big wave surfers. It still does. Uh, it did less for me watching that one than ever before. Really? Yeah. I just, I can't be bothered. I, I, Did you actually watch it live? No. Okay. I watched the last 30 seconds, I think, live. I caught one. I caught, who caught the last wave? I don't know. Somebody caught one wave. So I caught one wave. So that's unfair. I should go back and I haven't even watched the highlights, to be honest. Yeah, see, that is unfair. And really, I would argue you're only hurting yourself. Yeah. Like you're, you're really, um, you could be having a lot more fun than you are having. <sighs> I, I just felt even getting on to the to the webcast there for thirty seconds. I felt yeah. so existentially bored, yeah, like profoundly bored yeah. that I, I I couldn't turn it off quick enough. Let me make an argument. You'll get out of it what you put into it. So if I with, come in excited with most things in life, okay, if you had committed at the beginning of the day and just been like, "What do you guys got for me?" I think that it would have over delivered your expectation. The part of the problem with it is I have no horse in the race either. I mean, to, to add more problems to big wave surfing, like I don't care who wins, right? They're all fantastic. Like Ian Walsh, great guy. I'm happy you won. Billy Camper, great. And all of them are great. There's no like good guy, bad guy. There's no, True. you know, there's no reason to root for anyone, which as silly as it is for the, for the, uh, CT, you know, it's fun to root for or against people per heat Yeah, where they're, you know, you're watching a spectacle is great. Mm-hmm. or can be great but yeah the- uh, you wrote an interesting thing that was just talking about the camaraderie that exists yeah, in big wave I like surfing that. i wish we had that i know we really don't no. in other parts of surfing and i thought that was actually very true it's like those guys are all out there um it's a band of brothers sure because they're all putting their life on on the line in a way that normal surfers don't i feel that if one of them goes down like is in a precarious spot somebody will gladly you know and is in a position to catch like the winning wave yeah will, will not do it no without even a thought to go save their fallen brother completely yeah. yeah and i think that is super cool flip side to that is i agree with you there's no real um controversy sure. or any i guess blood feuds yeah you know Which, i mean in sport i don't know i don't know how sport 
kind of works as a unless it's pure spectacle, which at that point they almost shouldn't have winners and losers, right? It should just be here's the here's the guy the boys really putting on a show at, at that, Jaws. That's kind of the line that they're trying to figure out, I think, or maybe the um, adversary is the ocean. Yeah, and it's like this band of brothers against Mother Nature. Yep, is kind of the storyline. Um, see, when you talk about you're not really rooting for anybody. I had quietly been rooting for Ian Walsh in previous years. He's a great guy. Where he's a great guy, but also I feel like his work ethic is really impressive, and we've seen it documented in Distant Be- Distance Between Dreams, that movie that Red Bull did, and then also just through his Instagram and stuff, like following Shane Dorian's footsteps. I really feel like he's committed in a way that um, I guess if Billy Kemper's just like a raw, powerful talent, and he can kind of go out there and manhandle things. Ian Walsh, on the other hand, is like this tactical guy who's really um, doing cross training in the off season and all this sort of stuff so that when he gets that opportunity, he's not going to squander it. And in previous events, I feel like maybe he didn't get the opportunities that he needed to really showcase that. And this event, I feel like he did. And then also that 10 point ride was a wave that required every single element that he's ever trained for. And I feel like nobody else could have surfed that wave as good as he did. Is that the, is that the barrel one? Yeah. People were calling it like the best barrel ever ridden. Or I think I read that somewhere in surf media. Would you agree? I do agree. Totally. That was, that was the best barrel ever ridden. Yeah. I, I need agree. to go watch it now. Yeah. You didn't even see it? No, Come on, dude. I, it was the saw, only thing on Instagram the no, next 24 hours. I saw nothing. I saw the last 30 seconds. Brutal, dude. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Ian. I'll go watch it. I know. Again, you're only cheating yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listener wanted to know, he bought Damien Hobgood's surfboard at an auction. Great. Goodbye. But it has demo stickers on it. And his question to you and I is, do you pull the, should he take the stickers off? He's going to surf the board throughout the winter. Is he, should he take the stickers off or leave them on? You know, with Damien, I am such a fan of Damien Hobgood where I think what he should do is leave the stickers on, but also write uh, in big Sharpie on the board. Like this is Damien Hobgood's board, Hobgood's board or something like that. Like something, something to distance himself. Like, so, you know, that almost ties himself closer. What if he writes, this is no longer Damien. Yeah, Hobgood's that's, that's board. good. That's good. This yeah, is yeah. no longer Damien Hobgood's board. That's exactly. So he should leave the stickers yeah. and write big and bold somewhere where it can be easily read. This is no longer Damien Hobgood's board. I am it's, not Damien. Hobgood's. Yeah. So. It's like, I remember at the library when you returned a Oh yeah, you returned a book, and they would stamp. And if you damaged it or whatever, they would stamp "damage noted." So you know the next yeah. person would get dinged for it. He could just write. He could put real big, you know, "damage noted" on the board. Like yeah. this is not Damien's. This is the damage I'm doing to this board. Yeah. The way I'm surfing this board is in no way reflective of the the good Damien Hobgood. But leave the stickers on I, as an homage. I think so. I think you can't. Huh. I think as an homage, you've got to do it to Damien. Okay. If it's, you know, you mentioned that you have had boards. Uh, whose boards did you get before? Brett Simpson. Yeah, Brett Simpson. Brett Simpson's a great guy. Same size as me. Sure. Perfect fit. Fantastic guy. Good surfer. But, you know, there's no reason to pay homage, homage to Brett Simpson. He hasn't done anything, I don't think, that, you know, yeah. requires that level of, 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 Adoration, yeah, but I think Damien Hobgood has done so. I was yeah. confused by the question. I was like, Damien Hobgood has stickers on his board. Oh, what? Damien, was it, what uh, is it a fox? I wonder what the stickers are. Is it fox, fox is no longer. I know they're not, but when when it, is the board from? Right, I'll, I'll actually look it up while we're talking. I will yeah. globe. I would think. Yeah, for sure, globe is on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't mean that as a slight against Damo. That's no. a slight against the industry. Yeah, Damo. I think Damien, should be sponsored. I think Damien Hobgood, though, Damien and CJ, I think, are just laughing up their sleeves at everybody else. Do you between, think so? Oh, sure. I think they're smoking it. Like Salty Crew for Siege and 
uh, Nemo had such a good run. Yeah. That, yeah. All right. I think those guys are doing good. Um, what's I want to get a couple follow-up questions from you that I've been remiss to not ask you about for a while. What's up with Cocaine and Surfing a Love Story? Uh, it's out in spring 18. Okay. So, yeah, it's, I was up at the publisher this past week, and uh, I'm still doing the final edits on it. You are? Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Is there anything that you want to tell us about that book uh, to to get us excited, there will be. I need okay. to. I need to finish the edits and remember what's in there, and then, <laughs> and then I'll get you excited. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, what's up with Lisa Anderson's profile documentary that you're working on? I trouble in trouble. Lisa Anderson doc is in the very, very not middle. Thankfully, probably the two third stage. Um, still, tons of work to be done, but yeah, it's it's going really well. I think it's going to be a beautiful film. Do we have a release date? Yeah, it'll be uh, the it'll be finished end of December. Um, and I'm going the festival circuit on it. And so oh, really? still figuring out which festivals we're going to shoot for. Okay. So it'll depend when it actually gets released. But I think somewhere end of December, start of January, we'll probably do a, you know, industry friends and family screening okay. that the surf splendor podcast listeners are friends and family. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We'll I'll, make sure to yeah. keep everybody in the loop. Then I'm super excited. So you had a big year coming up, dude. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Bunch of stuff you've been working on for a long yeah, term. It's tiring stuff. But. Um, in regard to writing that book, I was curious, what is your writing regimen? When I'm writing books, uh, yeah, it's usually I'll wake up, drink some coffee, you know, get the kid off to school, clean the house, whatever, and then just sit and stare at the computer forever. And then it'll come in flurries, uh, usually when I add alcohol into the mix. Mm. Um, writing books it almost feels like it's like a marathon where you know you start off and you get winded pretty quick i mean or i like training for a marathon i guess you start off and get winded after you know 100 words a couple hundred <laughs> words and then by the end i'm writing you know 5000 words a day i've i've gone up to 10000 words a day uh where i've you know you're just like motoring i'll always take a um in the middle of writing take like a uh 3 day weekend somewhere just go off by myself and and write and get as much done as I can, you yeah. know, without having to have anything else, any family or any other obligations and then kind of build around that giant chunk that I get done. Um, so for welcome to paradise, I went to Palm Springs, uh, but all of that, everything I wrote in Palm Springs got thrown away. But then, so this one, I did not go to Palm Springs. I went to, uh, I think it's called the Charlie. Have you stayed or heard of the Charlie? It's no. amazing. It's Charlie in West Hollywood. It's a hotel that was Charlie Chaplin's home. And it's just, oh. it's just bungalows like different bungalows. So you just have a whole how, you know, bungalow to yourself. And that was a pretty magical place to write. So we'll see if it was more successful than Palm Springs writing. Well, the other thing is just cause that bit got thrown out. Doesn't mean it didn't serve a purpose. No, it was necessary. Yeah. I mean, it was necessary to the overall whole thing and blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But getting, yeah, it's important or for me at least to be able to go away and get, you know, set a goal. Like I think when I went to LA to write this time, I think I got, 40,000 words done in three days, um, which, you know, was basically writing from 6 a.m. I think I woke up at 6 and wrote till 10 or 11 at night. What is the total uh, word count for the book, approximately? I think, Just to put that in context. I think for this one, it's about 80,000 words. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the 40,000 on that weekend is Yeah, half. it's like, it's like yeah, half of the book. Um, how, how beneficial is alcohol to the process? It is, but then also, uh, like it's so easy to overdrink and then just lose, lose all thread. Um, which yeah, 
I kind of use it like medicine when I'm riding. Like you can never tip too far over or knowing if you're going to tip too far over that, okay, you've got to, you know, 30 minutes to write something funny here. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's it. I mean, it's, I can't write drunk, uh, you know, at all, but I feel I write well tipsy, but maybe I don't either. Maybe when I look back at that stuff is not good. I'm sure it's just, it's different no matter what, like it's a different state of mind. So the content has to be different. And that's, I mean, you just need to spike. I like the caffeine writing is one, you know, I'll have some ideas, caffeine writing, which is the morning. I'll have some different ideas, sober writing, which is the middle of the day and then different ideas, boozy writing. And so all, I think I need all three of those different states of mind to, to keep any kind of flow going. Well, I mentioned the reason why this was on my mind is number one, um, listeners have asked about stuff like this, but then I was also prepping for this Jamie Brissick, um, uh, conversation and he's a writer and he kind of talks at length about, um, using, you know, substances and, um, as medic for medicating and for mind expand, whatever exploration. And, um, you look at famous writers and that is a common theme among a lot of them. And I remember hearing, I think it was Joe Rogan was talking about Hunter S Thompson's regimen. And it's so gnarly. If I could find the video, I'll post it in today's show notes, but it's like, wake up at noon, snort a bunch of Coke, drink a bunch of, I think it was whiskey that he was drinking, just like endless, endless drugs and alcohol all the way through until the evening where it's like midnight. And then he starts writing at midnight until the sun comes up, Yeah, goes to sleep until noon again, and, and then does again. it again. Oh, that would be like, brutal. <laughs> but I'm just thinking like the state of mind that he's writing in is so altered. Sure. Which of course I think his writing reflects that. But um, obviously I think everybody has a different level of where their sweet spot is. So finding your own or, not at all. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously writing sober works too, but it's just, a, it's a curious thing. It's something that I'm curious. It's a, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I love talking to other writers about their process. Cause it's, you know, and there, it's all generally, I mean, wholly individual, right? Like what works Completely. for some, somebody doesn't work for somebody else, but you, every writer I think has found their rhythm and what works for them. And, you know, so much of it is just about, it's funny. It's a lot of writing is about just staring at an empty screen. Yeah. I think, which is to me, that's what the sober hours are usually for. Like, right. Just putting one word down, erasing it, putting one other word down, erasing it. You know, I've, I've spent, especially on cocaine plus surfing was a struggle. The woken paradise flew by quick. And then I threw the whole thing away and started again. Um, and that went quick too. Uh, cocaine plus surfing was a, was a brutal battle the entire time. Like a, some days an entire, you know, 10 hour day of staring at my computer for 300 words and that weren't that good. Yeah. I don't know why it was such a slog, but it was a, it was a hard, hard book to write. I think it's important though to reckon or for the writer to accept that it is a job and, um, you just have to sit there through a lot of that slog. Like it's not all creative. No. I mean, if you, if you don't sit there through those times, you're going to have to, you have to pay the piper later. Right. I mean, it's the, it's like, you know, fruit trees, I think certain fruit trees, stone fruit, right. I have to have a certain amount of freezing per per winter in order to fruit. And if it's, you know, not below a certain temperature, then it won't. Um, and I think writing is a lot that way. Like you just have to sit there and freeze for hours and days in order to to have some fruit. Interesting. Who are your writing influences or did you actually want to be a writer or how did that process even happen? Um, I think, you know, early on, no, I never thought about it at all. Like I liked, I never even read anything until 
probably midway through college. I mean, you know, read school books and whatever, but didn't really fall in love with reading until, uh, Albert reading Camus. I, re- I was studying in Oxford at the time and I read, I was supposed to be reading, you know, whatever, like I think it was medieval church history or something. Okay. Um, but just for some reason found a copy of the stranger by Albert Camus or the plague was the first one I read and just loved every word of it. And from mm. that moment on, kind of, I, I fell in love with, with writing and with writers. I think Albert Camus was a, you know, a dashing figure who had led an interesting life. So I became interested in him. And then I kind of went from that and ended up the stuff that I love most is new, the new journalism stuff, which just, you know, made me crazy from Hunter Thompson to Tom, to Wolf, Thomas Wolf to, um, or Tom Wolf to, uh, Joan Didion, you know, that era of kind of 1960s journalism, uh, you know, just blew my mind. And I, that's it. I stopped there and I really haven't read anything outside of that. Like I don't, I don't read today either. Oh really? Yeah. Do you, did you see Joan Didion's new documentary on Netflix? I I need to, I have, it's good. Is it great? It's not great, but it's good. Okay. I'm excited. It's good. She's an interesting figure. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I love, I just love how those guys, and I've been criticized before, I think. And I probably used to just, or for sure. I used to parrot, you know, all everybody I liked, like sure. from Norman Mailer to Thompson to Tom Wolf. Like, I'm sure it just, if I look back at my old stuff, it's just, you know, uh, like a, a carbon copy of what they were. I mean, a horrible carbon copy mm-hmm. of what they were doing, which I think is super important for a writer to find your influences and to, you know, painters do that, right? You go copy the masters until you find your own style where I think it's super important as a writer to find people you like blatantly rip them off. And over time, your own voice develops. I feel now that I do, you know, and people may not like it, but I feel I have my own voice now, yeah. which is, which is mine. Um, and that, you know, even when I don't like it, it still feels good to have found a voice. Yeah. Yeah. You could settle in. And yeah. I think maybe a lot more can come from that. Like a lot more just organic writing can yeah. come from that. But a lot ta- less confusion when you sit in front of the computer. Sure. It did, but it takes years. And I think people aren't willing like young surf riders or people who want to be surf riders, or whatever, will ask me advice from time to time, uh, you know, about how and whatever. And people just don't give it enough time. I think you need years of not getting paid for it, but just doing it yeah. because you love it in order to find your voice. And then once you found your voice, there's value there. Right. But I think people always just try to jump in before they found their voice. Think, mm. Okay. I'm, I want to write or, you know, for surf magazines and get paid. And if that's what you want to do, then you're, I don't think you're ever going to find your voice. You're just going to be struggling. It's exactly how I feel about podcasting. Yeah. Just plugging away for years, trying to find the voice. And now, I mean, I'm kind of joking, but at the same time, it's true. I do like, I feel more settled in now sure. than I certainly did a long time ago. Um, anyway, I tee these topics up, uh, basically to set up a couple of articles that were on beach grit that I think dovetail perfectly. One is called does your surfing reflect your personality? Mm. And the other one is beach grit is a chaotic evil. Do you like both those? I liked both of them. And I'll be honest, they just made me super introspective for a good 24 hours. Yeah. I read both of them and I like, didn't really think that much about them. But then throughout the course of the next day was like, found myself reflecting on my life and my surf experience me and too. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Both those stories so, made me really reflect. Okay. Well, I'm going to read, this could be a, a new segment for the show. Actually the Ma- alignment thing or no, the, or the no. how you surf is who you are. Both. I think both those articles could have actually been combined into one article. Sure. Not that you would ever lose the opportunity to write multiple articles yeah. off of one thing. But no, the new section could be called deep in the comments section. Oh, yeah. Because we'll go deep into the comments, but this comment is also deep. Yes. It's a little bit like, uh, 
it was pretty profound. It came from um, a commenter who goes by the name The Dead Whale at Trestles. Mm-hmm. Good commenter. He said on the article, does your surfing reflect your personality? He said, I've gotten in a fair share of fistfights in my life. One many, lost a number of times too. I thought I was tougher. I thought I had the upper hand. But fact is, something stupid, uh, oftentimes, something stupid started with me standing and ended with me prone, hugging the earth. The ocean is the only adversary that has handed me the the humbling experience of beginning battle in the prone position and getting violently beaten backwards into the standing position from surf line to shoreline ending in a standing posture, wondering how things went so wrong. I believed it was just bad luck paddled into battle with the ocean again and got deposited on the beach again, left very self-conscious with worrisome thoughts of the cliffs of the cliffside uh, tally of Snickers. The commute and traffic those days didn't aggravate me as much as normal, end quote. Fantastic. That's Profound. poetry right there. Pure poetry. Yeah. Just the only battle where you're left standing. And then also that last line of like driving through traffic that day and you're less bothered by everything. Yeah. Like the beating that the ocean delivers humbles you and you go through the rest of your day happier. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even read that one. Deep in the comments, Chaz. <laughs> Bravo. Deep in whale. the comments. I feel like it really accurately um, represents the futility of what we're doing. Like it is super silly surfing. And it's funny, as we've mentioned in previous shows, that we take it so seriously. But also the necessity of what we're doing. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's futile at once, but it's also necessary. The damn thing about the, uh, yeah, the how you surface who you are thing, when you really start thinking about your own lack of ability in the water, you know, I mean, I think we all, everyone probably listens. I think everybody who's not a pro surfs within a pretty similar range is what I've realized. Like from everybody, everybody who can kind of motor down the line, right. Is sure. A guy can hit the lip a little harder, but if you're not a pro level, then you're in a, you know, we're all kind of in the same pool. The range of intermediate uh, the range is of, pretty narrow. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You can get there, and once you're there, it's really hard. Like, unless you're great, it's, you know, hard to progress out of it. Like, yeah. the, the upper intermediate or whatever. Like, I will never see that, right? Yeah. Like, I will never be there. I will be intermediate my whole life. Which, when you think about that with something you love so much, and you're only ever going to be okay at it, uh, the how you surf is who you are thing sort of depressed me about that. Yeah. Or along those lines. Like, I love this thing. And I agree. I'm never going to be very good at it. We talked about it in the previous show where I said, I've accepted that I'm just a solid intermediate. Like I'm, I'm stuck there. Yeah. And, um, since that conversation, we had a really good run of swell. And what I realized in that was like, Oh, I'm actually better. I just need good waves is all I need. Once the waves are good and head higher, better, that's where I thrive. I just don't get those waves very often. So I go 300 days a year thinking like I, I just go 300 days a year disappointed in myself basically, yeah. but it's really the waves that I'm blaming now. Yeah. That's a, that's a healthier place to be. I, I like that. It reset my, um, I don't know my ego a little bit, you know, or my self-esteem I should say. Oh, well that's good. The good waves. Yeah. Too. I'm, yeah, I'm back to just <laughs> thinking like it's, it's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault but mine. Just the Led Zeppelin song. So what did that, um, what does your personality say about you? Or what is what does your surfing reflect about your personality then? Uh, what did uh, you determine? I mean, I did, I said on Instagram, I think, where I posted it, like that 
my feet are too close together and my arms wiggle too much in life. Uh, so is that an accurate reflection though of your life? Well, knowing that that's your surfing ability, I guess so. Is I mean, I, I, but see, that's the thing is that I don't know what that means for life. Like I don't know how that plays like feet too close together and arms moving too much. That's where you got to, you have to figure it out. Man. I need, I need to go, I need to go deep. Like the dead whale went deep to that's figure it out. I'm yeah. Saying. I haven't given this enough thought yet. Think about it. Yeah. This is therapy. Okay. okay? I'm surfing is therapy. It. Yeah. So I did think about it and I was like, as uh, in being in my mid 36 years old, I'm like, I don't have the aggression that I used to have in surfing. So what I find is now I'm often sitting out the back waiting for a set wave and then not getting those waves. So I'm sitting waiting for the next set, not catching anything, watching everything go by, turning around and going, hey, that guy's ripped four waves on the inside while I'm sitting here waiting for one good wave. What in life? Am I waiting? Is passing me by? That's fantastic. You had a, a genuine realization. That's what I'm saying, dude. I need to go deep like that. So then I'm like, so I've been in that surfing experience recently. So I go, okay, change a game plan, go inside and start scrambling. But then I find myself on knee high waves, blowing it, yeah. and like my style's wacky, and like move my front foot forward to like gain speed and momentum. But then I can't do a turn because my foot, and I'm just like all out of sorts, going, "Oh, I should go and sit back out the back." And then I realize, well, I I live my life in two minds sometimes, mm. not sure whether or not I should do this, do that. And now I'm, it's been it's been a very um, very uh, deep couple weeks for me, dude. I, I need to a lot go of mental anguish. I need to go. I need to go as deep. I've just been fairly depressed the last couple of days, so I need to. I need to work through this. Through yeah, fairly depressed about surfing in general. So this will be maybe I just didn't. That's why I'm depressed because I didn't go deep enough. You want to talk about your depression? No, it's I can't. <laughs> Alcohol is a depressant, so uh, you might want to cut back. Might want to check that too occasionally. Okay. I'm, that ain't gonna happen. Um, so. The other article that I referenced was Beach Grid is the Chaotic Evil. So there is this personality test, I guess, I called guess, Alignment. I think it's – I couldn't tell. I, I needed to go deeper into it. I think it's a business tool actually <laughs> oh, or something. Okay. I don't know if it's a business tool or a – yeah, I think it's it can be across the board, right? It's yeah. like you can put people into categories or – and then know how to interact with them or know how to interact with yourself or put businesses into categories, I think. Can you say who sent that image to you? I can't. Okay. Because – it looked like I was tagged in it, yeah. but I must have missed the tag. Yeah, you, was it posted on Instagram? It was. Po- it was sent. It was in a story. Oh, okay. So it was, but it was screenshot or the yeah uh, the story was sent to me. Got from it. the person who who did it because I never got the tag notification or I just missed it. Yeah. So all I could see was your your yeah. reposting of it. Um, so Beach Grit was deemed the chaotic evil yeah. in this whole conversation, and I think I was the chaotic neutral. Oh, that's which nice. I'm okay with. Yeah, chaotic neutral is pretty good. I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel like that was an accurate representation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought um, it was pretty accurate across the board, to be honest. I thought it was too, yeah. actually. Um, so I, all of this is to ask you, is the act of surfing the ultimate therapy and also the most accurate or real, realistic form of self-evaluation? See, I mean, that's a great question. A great question and why I think I've been depressed. As I've been thinking about this, uh, you know, over the last couple couple days, um, what surfing actually means to me, um, and what it what it should mean, and like I don't know anymore. Really, it's weird. I love it. I love to do it. If the waves are good, I'm out there. I have fun. I'm not progressing, which is annoying. Not really annoying. I'm, I've accepted it, but should I accept a lack of progression in life? I mean, where else do you accept lack of progression? Right? Isn't life always kind of this? 
or you hope at least this upward, upward tilt. Uh, and so to completely give up on this thing that you, that I spend a lot of time doing a lot of time thinking about, obviously it's my job, right? I'm a surf writer and, and a surf journalist and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What is, I think, I, I think I'm having a, um, existential crisis yeah. about what surfing means to me at this moment in my life and what it, not only what it does mean to me, which I don't even know what it should mean to me, which I don't know. And not knowing both those things has thrown me into a. A tailspin. Not knowing creates anxiety in general. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't Um, know what surfing means to me. Yeah. So maybe I worry about two things I worry about for you, Chaz. Is your life too surfing focused? Do you have enough other things going on that are occupying enough hours in the day to get a break from surfing? No. Every single day I'm either thinking about surfing or writing about surfing or making a film about surfing or surfing. That's the problem. So that's what I do worry about you is I see how many Instagrams you post and how many stories you're publishing on beach grit. And then knowing these longer term projects as well. And I'm going, dude, if I had to pay that close of attention to surfing, I don't think I could enjoy or or enjoy life to a certain extent, but also explore other interests that I have, whether it be wine or like, I've fallen in love with the American Southwest in recent years. You, you have? Know? Oh, yes, you go dude. to Arizona and stuff? Arizona, Utah. Wow. I did a weekend, two or three weeks ago, went away for the weekend, uh, Zion, spent yeah. four days just hiking, completely checked out. And that's the thing. Like, I'll go three or four days without even going on to Instagram, you know? That's um, fantastic. Yeah. And, and so that reprieve, I find, really gives me a lot of energy to push forward in surfing, as well, when I get back into the surf world. So you're saying I need a sabbatical. I need a surfing sabbatical. Dude, you talked about taking the writing sabbatical, you know, to I get did. away, and then that's where you're the most prolific. Okay. You might need a surf sabbatical. Wow. Oops. Yeah. I can't do the surf sabbatical till for at least <laughs> till next summer. Well, the other problem is you've created this pace of three articles a day on Beach Grit, and people are going to expect it. I've really fallen off my pace lately. Have you? Though. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just, it's, Yeah. I mean, with everything else going on, like I still can do it, but I just, and I still love, you know, it's just hard. Do people give you grief when you no. don't hit that target? No. Does Derek? No. He doesn't no, care? No, Derek, Derek only feels bad that, you know, I write probably twice or three times as much as Derek generally on yeah. the site. So I think Derek just feels bad about that in general. Okay. So yeah. Cool. No. Yeah. I've been, I've been, uh, trying to do not better work at Beach Grit, but just trying to like the pace we were on or i was on we could keep our numbers really high doing that but i've totally accepted that okay for a minute i don't care what our numbers are i just want to you know i need to i need to do some other stuff right now so right yeah good but but it's all the other stuff i'm doing is still surf it's all surf right other stuff yeah so that's what you're gonna have to figure out otherwise surfing will suffer man your own personal surf experience will suffer just maybe that's what's happening right now i've gotten to that point at times where this is surfing. What you and I are doing right now is surfing for me. So then I won't go surfing this afternoon because yeah. I already checked the surfing box in my life. Okay. And that's a shame. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never want the actual experience to suffer. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's funny that the uh, writing, talking, reading, not that I read about surfing, but if I did read about surfing, uh, none of that, I'll still go surfing just as much. Will you? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I really like, I still really like, there's times in my life where I go a lot less. Um, and times where I go more, but I still really enjoy surfing. Well, I do feel like the initial question is, is it the ultimate therapy? I feel like the answer to that is yes, kind of for me anyways, Yeah. where it's just like, that's where I kind of reevaluate life, put everything into perspective, always feel better afterwards. That's There's true. a purging of whatever. That's true. But then the follow-up is, is it the most accurate, realistic form of self-evaluation where I feel like you can look in the mirror and only look at like your good angle and kind of tilt your head in a way that looks better. Whereas surfing, it is what it is. Sure. If you see a video of yourself surfing, you're mortified nine times Forever. out of 10. Yeah, you know? totally. Completely. Um, so that's kind of an interesting it's, thing. It is a real, real accurate, uh, complete, something that you can't hide from. Yeah. Like you can't pretend you're, I mean, you can pretend you're good all day long if you never surf. Right. But you can only you can only be as good as you actually are and as good as people actually perceive you to be. Well, um, plumbed from similar depths submitted by Instagram, Instagrammer El Snacho eight, five, eight. He said, is it more important to feel good or to look good Mm, while surfing? I think look good. You think so? A hundred (laughs) percent. Don't you? Yes. Maybe for a different reason than you. I feel like if you look good, you also feel good. But what if I would, I would take look good and feel horrible would any you? day of the week. Oh yeah. Really? A hundred percent for surfing. Yeah. Not for other things in life, but for surfing, I would rather look good and feel awful about it. <laughs> so here's okay. Then curveball. Yeah. You just committed to that for yeah. the rest of your life. What if you end up surfing alone for the rest of your life? That's, I, that's where I'd be happiest. See, I, nobody even sees you looking good though. Oh, well that would be cruel. That's that what I'm saying. Like the, the tree and the forest that's and the blah, my problem is growing up. I realized, which is more and more and more of a problem as I get older, um, having grown up surfing in Oregon, like my cutting my teeth on only solo surfing. It's really not crowds aren't hard for me, but like my surf experience and what it meant to me as a kid, you know, getting away from my redneck high school and all that stuff and just being alone in the ocean, um, in the crappy, you know, or, you know, stormy Pacific Northwest. That's not what surfing, like if you grew up in Southern California, surfing is a, almost a community thing. It's like you, you're doing NCAAs, NCAAs, sorry, NSA, N- yeah. NSAAs, you're doing uh, contests, you're doing this and that. I could never, that'll never be me. Like, I feel like I'm not almost a surfer. Like I feel yeah. like I'm a, yeah, I'm a weird freak. It's funny. I feel the exact. I feel like I'm always on the outside yeah. looking in, even though I've lived in the same place for 10 years, surfed the same spots for 10 Where years. Where did you grow up again? 
I grew up in Orange County, yeah. just kind of all around Orange County, yeah. but but inland a little bit. Like, yeah. I didn't live at the beach. Yeah. And so when I went to the beach, I would see all the kids who lived or who I thought lived at the beach, and I just felt like I'm not those kids. Sure. And so that's part of my mentality forever on, yeah. you know? You and Matt Biolos. Yeah. Matt Biolos doesn't feel like he's part of those kids still, I think, even though he is. Most, I think most people don't. Most yeah. people identify with you and I. Yeah. Um, there's very few people who actually lived at the beach. Yeah. You know? But your comment segues perfectly into my next uh, Instagram recommenda- recommended topic, which is um, the localism in Oregon topic. Yeah, I saw, I saw that on Stab. Did you? That video? I, I saw the video, yeah. Did you watch the whole thing? I watched the video. So mm-hmm. you grew up in Oregon. Did you ever experience localism? Hell no. Really? I mean, that's a, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I showed up in my shitty Datsun pickup, you know, with my just you know, rusty organ plates and my crappy yellow board. And I think, I think it's clear probably to Oregonians, maybe who belongs and who doesn't, yeah. but also, you know, 99 out of a hundred surfs, I was dead alone. Really? Like, oh yeah. Like I wasn't with people ever R- rarely, rarely, rarely. But then the times I would go to breaks that theoretically are localized, I got no, no hassle at all. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's changed. You know, I haven't been, I haven't lived in Oregon in, uh, 20, years now or yeah 20 years and so it, maybe it's different but back then it seemed like people were happy for the company really? you know the times that i showed okay. up yeah well so the video for those who didn't see it it's um the cameraman is getting basically harassed by local surfers who are angry at him for filming the spot which obviously for listeners is a common thing like you don't want to expose a little known spot to the rest of the internet um, how did you feel about the video? Did you have thoughts about it at all? Not, re- I mean, uh, I felt bad, you know, the cameraman getting choked out. That's not cool. But he, he, his high shriek was so, it was so unfortunate. Like, and the fact that he clearly released it where if I heard myself shrieking on camera, well, like, so that, I mean, as the story goes, right, he took his, he got, he had his camera, he was getting choked out as he was getting choked out before he passed out. He took his, uh, card, the memory, memory card, card yeah. from the camera, put it in his pocket, so when he woke up, his camera was stolen, but he had his memory card. So he's the only one who had that thing, right? So he went and watched that at home, watched him shrieking like like a little kid, mm-hmm. and decided, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea to, to release that. Which, what possessed him to release it? He, I think he retribution. Like, a, like, he was so indignant that those people, you know... Great, take it to the police. And, yeah. And don't ever... I would have... That thing, to see the light of day, if it was me who shot it... I would have been it. That would have been the end of like, he was, he was again, he had good arguments and whatever when he was like, come on, I'm just shooting this place or whatever. But the way he was making his case totally was like, I hate to say it because it was, but it was just pathetic. Like he seemed very pathetic yeah. where I wonder if he wasn't so pathetic, if those guys would have left him alone. Right. That is a good question. And I felt that way too. And certainly the comments reflected that a lot of people were chastising him for just being whiny. Yeah. He was really whiny, which again, you don't want to say, Oh, come on. You know, I mean, I'm sure he was scared out of his mind. I'm sure it was not a good situation, comfortable situation for him. And you don't want to say, oh, yeah, the Oregon guys, just because he's sitting there filming, you know, are, were in the right to choke him out. But, yeah. man, his wine was really hard to get over. Yeah. I, um, it's weird. You feel a lot of conflicting emotions watching something like that where it's like – I do believe localism serves a, p- a purpose 100%. and a place, you 100%. know, but I also am opposed to violence emphatically. So is there a way for those things to coexist? And I think that the way for those things to coexist is everybody should operate with dignity and decorum. Unfortunately, human beings don't. So that's kind of out the window. So you should, 
in that scenario, you would hope for the cameraman to show up and he wants to shoot. He wants to document the beauty that is Mother Nature. It wasn't. He wasn't even that he was necessarily shooting surfing, right? Uh, the reading between the lines. I couldn't I don't tell know. if he was shooting the waves or if he just wanted to shoot the place or what. I don't know. Yeah. So you would want for anybody to go and document whatever it is that they want to document in Mother Nature, sure. and these surfers don't have any right, proprietary right to the whatever. And then the surfers, you would want them to approach and be like, "Hey, buddy." we're not really down to have this place exposed. So I don't know what you're doing with that, but please don't name it or whatever. And for him to go, you know what? I respect your opinion. I'll put my camera away right now. Actually, no worries. Yeah. Obviously that's an ideal scenario. I don't think that that ever happens. I think the surfers walk up and act like tough guys. Then he digs his heels in. He acts like a whiny little baby. You know, if he was going to dig his heels in, he should have like, like manned up or something, but like digging your heels in and like, uh, and like a, uh, like, crying about it was not cool. I can shoot here. And you also started saying stuff like, bro, I used to be a court reporter, bro. Like I documented professionally yeah. for courts. This is going straight to the top. And like, yeah. that's the equivalent of saying my dad could beat up your dad. It was awful. You know? It was an awful, awful exchange. By, it really was. By, I mean, from him to them, like totally. their violence was uncool. But I also look though at the surfers going, Hey guys, you have nothing better to do with your time than like stand in front of him and block his, I mean, you know? for sure they don't. That's yeah. the, I mean, that's the thing. The local localism in Oregon totally cracks me up because I get it more down here when waves are warm and, or like pipeline for say, right. Anybody theoretically could paddle out there. It's super welcoming in terms of water temperature and it's beautiful and it's why, and you know, all of a sudden you're going to get dumped in your head and whatever. Oregon is so freezing cold. Anybody, I mean, that's the way I always felt there. I would get mad at people who showed up at my little, you know, I had my little self-localized spot and I would get real mad when people showed up in my heart. Um, but really anybody who wants to get their five mail and hood and booties and go sit in Oregon soup, like, no, there's not that many people in the world that are going to do that. It doesn't matter if it's pumping. Yeah. Not that many people are going to go and put I up agree. with ice cream headaches and the whole thing. Like, so localism and freezing cold places like Oregon always makes me chuckle anyway. There's it's not a great point. Do it. It's yeah. a great point. Like for those locals to have thought that him taking video of their local spot would bring one more surfer yeah. there next year is kind of it, it, absurd. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Like maybe I could see somebody, some you know, kids in Portland see it and think, Oh, I'm going to go try it. But I mean, you have to be a hearty, hearty yeah. soul to handle Oregon surf. Even those guys, those kids in Portland, they're either going to find it or they're not sure. like they, you know, it's not really going to no. drive crowds. No, if you're on a, yeah. So it's ridiculous. Another listener wanted to know, um, what's your current relationship like with with Mick Fanning? This is of course a follow up question to the story detailed in your book. Welcome to paradise. Now go to hell. Hmm. So I've never, we've never had an exchange. Really? I think that, yeah, I think that when he sees me, he'll, he'll kind of angrily look the other way. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, brush past. Uh, I would love to talk to him. Um, but I feel that whatever, you know, whatever damage was done was done. And I don't feel maybe if I would have felt remorse for it, then we could have a relationship maybe, or in his, I mean, I, I would love to have a relationship with him, but I feel like I did nothing wrong at all. And I still, sure. to this day, feel like I did nothing wrong. So I don't feel remorseful at all. Uh, I, I also wish him no ill will. I think I'm from all accounts, he's a fantastic guy and, you know, great and good and whatever. And so, yeah, I would love, I would love to laugh about it with him someday, but the times I've seen him, you know, I mean, I've seen him 
a lot, a handful, a good handful of times over the over the years, and it's always just a real angry look. Really? So yeah, I think it's I think it deeply hurt him somehow. Which you know I get it exposed something he said that wasn't nice to say. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's in the forgiving the forgiving place yet. I. I have come to love Mick Fanning as a surfer and as a surf figure. And I feel like he's kind of gone through a larger transformation than we see from a lot of other people. And so who he was when you first had that encounter with him to who he is now, I think is two totally different people. I mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he was, um, I don't know. I mean, he was, he had a Eugene quality to him back in the day that I think is erased now and replaced with a humility and certainly a professionalism that he never had before. And he has like a dogged work ethic and all of those things. And like, I know all, all that he went through, um, two or three years ago where it was like his brother died, his wife left him, like the shark attack, all of that in one year made me um, endeared to him, but also I feel like humbled him. Well, I mean, I cheer for Mick Fanning like, actively. Sure. When he's in the heat, like I almost always want him to win and you know, I like, I want him to win. Like I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm happy that he's had such success yeah. and all that. Right. And like, I still joke about it, like by, you know, dedicating my book to him and stuff like that. Like, it's funny to me that that incident uh, that tied us together to me was really funny I see that it was not funny to him. Sure. Uh, and I see that it would be, it'd be a big, uh, yeah, it'd be a lot to accept it as, you know, it'd be a lot for him to accept me. And yeah. so I, I, I let him have his, his long distance disdain if that's what he wants. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, surf stats on Instagram at surf stats wants to know, is there a barrel way to retire? Bobby's exit is fame. We're talking for pro surfers. Bobby's exit, of course, is famous. Freddie Pataccia got a 10 at lowers and then really unexpectedly announced his retirement in his post-heat interview and didn't even show up for his next heat, which is pretty gnarly in the middle of the event. Um, And then this year, we have Josh Kerr and B. Durbich both just mentioning it unceremoniously in the middle of an event randomly. Like, it's bizarre. So is there a barrel way to retire? I don't know, to be honest, because you kind of look at any fading away and that's not cool right like yeah. the the slow fade into oblivion nobody wants that but you also look at the uh the sudden like you know say bobby martinez like i would have loved to see bobby martinez for a few year years more on tour right just selfishly like what mm-hmm. could he have done and you know he was a he was a fun figure and so you feel kind of ripped off that bobby uh you know went out the way he did yeah um so i don't know i don't i don't know i guess Andy Irons was a barrel way, like just wow, dying. <laughs> wow, like yeah, right. I don't know how you can do it alive. I don't know if you can gracefully leave, uh, slide out of the spotlight uh, for a physical thing. Like you know, I think you can gracefully, yeah. You know, if you're an actor, you can gracefully leave the stage, or if you're a writer, you can you know gracefully kind of exit and retire. Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, went out on top. Sure, you and know, you, you kind of just gracefully, you know, slide away. Um, in something that you do that's the physical part, like for a basketball player, football player, or anything too, right? I don't know that there's a graceful way to go. You, you've you either hung on too long or you let go a little too early. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no perfect place. I mean, theoretically, I guess there would be. Yeah. But you've always got a tiny bit more in the tank until you don't. I, I, Kelly, <laughs> what Kelly's doing, I think, is fascinating. Uh, just staying. Like, yeah. That's interesting, right? Unless, unless he literally like 
got dethroned by his injury. Like he's he's kind of the oldest guy who's ever been at the top level on tour. And what if breaking your bones is a reflection of that? You but, know, like can you compete at this super high level and your body still maintain? And I guess if he if he breaks again, you know, I think he. I probably think he thinks that there's no way he can go out on a broken foot, right? Like, I, so he's, he's going to come back and definitely probably start the tour next year. I would like to see that. I, I mean, I, I think he'll have to. Um, and yeah, like if he breaks again and that's, you know, I guess your body, you just pushed your body past the point that it, it could go. Well, he's also, you know, figuratively got beaten out of, uh, beaten into submission. Like he was in the 20th position when that injury happened. Sure. So he's not able to keep up with, the current level on the tour competitively. Um, and again, I think his surfing ability is there, but obviously his focus hasn't been because he's got so many other things going on. Um, I think the Andy irons example might be the super barrel way to retire where just blowing it out, you know, like, and that him and Bobby and, um, a number of things that I've been thinking about in surfing, fits that perfectly where it's like we don't have anybody being a badass anymore no. not only as surfers but even surf media has gotten so really tame, tame. Yeah. and i mean you guys obviously are uh, kind of fighting bucking that trend at beach grit but it has gotten so tame and of course john john florence can't say anything yeah. sketchy because he's making four million bucks a year off hurley you know so um the ability to abandon that paycheck and live your kind of true life, we haven't really seen. Sure. I mean, I think Dave Parmenter did it back in the day, right? And and I think Dane Reynolds kind of did a version of that. Totally. Uh, yeah. In our time. But Dane, I still think he, it was such a waste, right? I think Dane, uh, you know, whether he liked it or not, I mean, I, when Dane quit, wasn't he like seventh or something? Yeah, he I might have been. He was, he was, I know he got third one year. Yeah. Maybe he did a year after that. And I get it that he didn't like to compete. And, you know, I could imagine not liking to compete either. I could imagine being out there and having the heat buzzer sound and just feeling miserable. Yeah. Um, so I get it. But, yeah, the way Dane did it, too, I just – Dane did a mix of burnout and fadeaway all in one thing. Like it was yeah. a combo of burn and fade. There's a, a huge difference, though, is that Bobby Martinez – officially retired and then we really haven't heard from him again whereas dane retired from competitive surfing but then gifted us all this uh web content afterwards so i feel like dane just said i'm not doing this anymore but i'm doing it on my own terms over here sure which is really all that we want the only reason you and i were sad to see bobby go is now we can't watch him surf anymore yeah we just want to see him surf well completely i i guess i just i wish dane selfishly was a little more prolific now i mean what is he i think we were just well, having now, a conversation yeah. that he's he's 32 right i think he's yeah, 32 now yeah. uh, if i recall um and you know if he's 32 that means his his real performance years are fast leaving uh but it would be nice to see him like give one more you know fantastic explosive something to the to the surf world one more time, you know, one either totally. video or clip or something that gets everybody talking again. Just, just because Dane was just such a, such an epic force that I think was so his potential was so completely unrealized in so many ways. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, one listener wanted us to talk crap about the inertia for five minutes at the top of the show. Mm, we missed it. <laughs> I know we missed our opportunity. Do you have anything you'd like to say now? Uh, about the inertia. Um, if you don't, I'll tee you up. Okay, tee me up. Did you see Kelly Slater's response on their Instagram this no. morning? 
That makes me happy, though. Yeah, I'll read it to you. Um, oh, by the way, I found that photo of uh, Damien Hobgood's surfboard. Oh, fantastic. The sponsors on it, Globe. Sure. The board is a super brand. Great. Um, Fish 101. Oh, which perfect. Is, Definitely leave it. Um, if you bring your board in, theoretically, I think you get free fish plates and stuff. Really? No. Oh, okay. He should, he should bring his board in to Fish 101. Um, surface, Sunblock. Nice. And then two stickers that I don't even recognize. One says Vapors and the other one says SDBE. Great. Keep them all. Keep them all and say, right in Sharpie. What was it? No longer Damien's board? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the Inertia wrote a, basically wrote a post using, it was just an image of Kelly Slater standing. There was like an outer known product shoot, basically. Is this this just this morning? No, they wrote this post uh, 19 hours ago. Okay. And then Kelly chimed in on it this morning. Okay. And the Inertia basically was commenting about how Donald Trump is advocating for the death penalty for a shooter you know, in a, um, in a mass, in a, whatever. It was basically, Donald Trump made a public statement saying he's advocating for the death penalty. Kelly Slater chimed in in the comments on a different piece, like somewhere else, not on the Inertia's article, but just somewhere else, saying that, you know, that person definitely deserves the death penalty. Is this Bo Bergdahl or no? No. This is a, this is a mass shooter. A yes, I'm mass pretty shooter. sure. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I'm looking at a screenshot as opposed to the actual okay. post, so I can't scroll back to pull it up but the inertia wrote this posted this photo of kelly with this long caption saying hey donald trump wants the death penalty so does kelly slater oh. kelly slater said this and that and he advocates for the death penalty cruel what do you think yeah and asking people to comment about it yeah so a bunch of people commented and they're like hey the inertia you're really this is super clickbaity super sensationalized yep. like i'm not sure that's really kelly's true feelings on the matter well kelly chimed in i can't wait this is going to be a beach good story for this afternoon thank okay, you okay so perfect much for this. you're welcome thank i'll send you, you screenshots thank so you. kelly says you've taken Taken liberty, hey inertia. You've taken liberties with the context of my comments, but keep up the clickbait and sensationalistic headlines by trolling comment sections of other people's accounts for non-stories. I didn't really take a stand with what or how I said this. It's just a knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction, and considering I was a mile away from, oh, this was the event in New York. The okay. guy plowed his car into okay, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the original okay. story was, where Perfect. Trump said that. Yep. Deserved the death penalty. So back to Kelly, he says, um, I was a mile away with my daughter on the same sidewalk minutes after this happened. The proximity of it hit home. I would advocate trying, uh, tying him to a post in the middle of his own town and letting the public decide. Maybe that's a better headline. Not sure leaving him in jail on our dime is the uh, is a answer to this question. Okay. Left it at that. And Fantastic. then, of course, the, inter- the inertia chimes back like, hey, April. sorry, you're our bi- biggest hero. We appreciate everything uh, that you say. That's the blah, blah, blah. worst when they do that. Yeah. I mean, they're the abs. Okay, now I'm, now I'm fired up. Yeah. You got me. Okay. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the, they're the absolute worst of that. I feel that uh, since, you know, not to toot, Beach Crit obviously didn't start sort of sensationalistic headlines and, you know, clickbait kind of stuff, which I feel one thing that Derek and I both share or an ethos is that the clickbait always has to deliver on the premise. So, you know, whatever your title is, it can be sensationalistic, but the story has to relate in some way to it and more or less deliver, right? If you're just always grabbing people with sensationalism and then they get into the story and there's, there's no meat, then you're, you know, you're doing a disservice to them and also to yourself. Anyway, uh, I feel that Derek 
And then I follow Derek's lead kind of on how to do since how to make sensationalistic headlines really good and how to make sensationalistic stories very fun. Um, I think that since we've had success at it, both stab and the inertia try to do it as well with really, really mixed reviews. Uh, or I think something like this, like the inertia is doing that is so tacky. And if you want to say, sure, throw it in there, you know, headline, Kelly Slater loves the death penalty and then write a story about it, you know, where you flesh out kind of in the story. Yeah. Uh, I feel the inertia actually thinks that, you know, they know they're being sensationalistic, but then are totally on their back heel when they're doing it. I think if you're agreed, if you're on the toe doing it, it reads differently. And then Kelly could come in and say, Hey, that's not actually what I believe. And then you have a conversation that matters. And then you don't, you don't go back and say, Oh, sorry, we're, we love you because you clearly, you know, intentionally kind of put his words out of context in the first place. So don't say you're sorry about it. Like that's, that was your whole point. The better response would have been, Hey Kelly, you said exactly this and that's why we quoted you. That was a direct quote. Totally. And to say, and you can thank him for, you know, adding further, you know, thoughts to the matter. But sure, like uh, the, the back foot, which Stab does it all the time too. Stab and the Inertia both do it. A real back heel kind of, we're going to be edgy, except they're, you can feel they're scared of it. Yeah. Right. You know, they're totally like throwing their punch in the, in the worst kind of awkward way. And then they just get socked right in the face because they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. And they were only going for the, the kind of, they wanted to be sensationalistic, but they don't know how to be sensationalistic. There's a way to do sensationalism, I think, where it's both fun, enjoyable, uh, you know, entertaining, and informative or informational all at the same time. I don't think Beach Grit, we always hit it, the mark, uh, clearly. But I really, when we, if we're going to sensationalize something, then it's on the toe and it's, there's no backpedaling at all. I think it's a great point and true. I thought their other big misstep was taking a photo of Kelly from an outer known shoot yeah. as the image. So when I'm scrolling through it, I'm like, Oh, well this is obviously something that Kelly's advocating for that. He's put his, you know, whatever behind. And then I read it and I'm just like, this is, is such this? a tenuous connection yeah. between. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Like Kelly slightly referenced something in a comment somewhere. That's so awkward. It yeah. is so awkward when they do that kind of stuff. They it, should, I mean, they should be, that's why I don't it, know why it, anybody does anything with the inertia anymore. Quite frankly, like why any athlete true. does anything. I agree. I agree with that. Or then I'll see sincere comments from athletes in the inertia's comments yeah. on Instagram. Somebody will chime in like actually sincerely. And I'm like, why are you even yeah. giving credence? Like this <laughs> is so this. silly. You know? I, I don't understand that. Place. So that, so then my follow-up question is, should Kelly have even commented on that? I think, uh, Kelly is, is almost Donald Trumpy in the way that he can't help, but social, you know, cause Kelly will comment to people all over every day that don't deserve any kind of attention. Right. And I, I love Kelly for it because it like, I guess I like Donald Trump for, tweeting right he makes life very much more entertaining kelly i'm sure has thrilled countless uh you know kids and whatever and whatever by actually comment getting on their instagrams and commenting um but yeah no i mean the inertia is such a joke already that to get on and and try to seriously you know take them to task is seems like a waste of time but yeah but i i was glad to see it my my general theory is like don't give them the time of day. Sure. But I was so glad to see that Kelly actually stood up for himself well, because it was so outlandish. Well, that's the know? thing too, is it for sure crushes that. I think, you know, Zach and the boys get so crushed that, yeah. Oh no, we hurt Kelly. But well, what were you thinking? 
when you were when you were saying Kelly Slater advocates for the death penalty, exactly. Then what did you think was going to happen? I and mean, by the way, Kelly's comment had two hundred and eight likes on it the last time I looked, uh, or when I screenshotted it. And then um, so the inertia chimed in from their account, and then the writer of the article, who actually is a staff guy there, I think Dylan Hayden. Okay, he's a name I see all the time. Okay, associated with them. Um, he commented back, and he's like, "Hey, Kelly. Uh, well, how about?" Considering all the fervor around this, how about we actually have an articulate discussion about this in the platform of your choice? And I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, nice try, but do you think Kelly has any interest? And I don't think you're capable of having the articulate discussion that Kelly would be willing to have. Like, you're not the place for it. A, and B, it's not a discussion that even matters to what, who cares what Kelly Slater thinks about the death penalty. He's a professional surfer. Having a articulate conversation about the, the death penalty in America with the number one surfer in the world is utterly, like, it's just ridiculous to begin with. Totally. And especially on the inertia. Well, um, as Kelly said, he was, a. Uh, mile away from that when that happened with his daughter in New York. He well-documented his New York uh, journey with his daughter through Instagram, through his stories mainly. And I texted you about it. I was like, Kelly, get off your phone, dude. You're spending the weekend with your daughter. You're the annoying dad who's Instagramming photos of your latte and every meal that you go to. Get some quality time in, Kelly. Get some QT, Kelly. Not that I'm like... I'm no. not even a father. I'm not trying to tell you, but the, come best, on, buddy. the best part is when Kelly gets on to Sir Splendor on Instagram and rebuts, then you're going to have to stay on your toe here. You're going to say, Kelly, yeah, put your phone down, buddy. Put your phone down. Go have some. Listen go, to my go, fa- Listen to my advice on how to parent. Yep. Okay. Go live your life. Um, all right. So I also have this week's Kook and Curran okay. and this week's Barrel and Oz segment completely contributed by listeners. Great. I'm excited. All listener show. I'm excited. Um, the inertia. So the kook and current thing, some of them I'm super committed to and I feel are super strong. Um, and then others, I'm asking for you to kind of help me sort them out. These are things that only kooks and only currents do. No intermediate surfers do them. Wetsuit caps. Not hoods. Yeah, the cap. The cap, which Kelly was wearing in New Jersey. 100%. I've never seen an intermediate, an intermediate surfer. I've yeah. seen total wave stormers. And uh, I feel Curran's done one too, a cap. I think pro- like actual Tom Curran has yeah. done it. I feel like Derek Hind I've yeah, seen one in. That's true. You see like these old timey guys who have like a beard who only serve J-Bay yep. or something. Kelly, now. And then Kelly. Person. Yeah, of course. Kelly validated oh, it. Oh, that's a, that's a home run. Wetsuit cap. So we're talking not an actual hood, hood. but the one that like has a Velcro under yep. the chin and like a little bit of a bill. And I would like... Because uh, I think this one is such a slam. I would love if any listener has a picture of somebody doing anything intermediate right. in a wetsuit cap. I would love to see it. Doesn't exist. Yeah. And it would have to be like proper intermediate though. Like a Correct. little barrel or like a cutback or little. Good like, turn. Yeah. No, like going down the line in a wetsuit cap. And I've definitely, definitely seen kooks do it. I've seen guys that have like reef booties on and like baggy shorts with like elastic waistband and then a wetsuit cap. Yep. For sure. A hundred percent. All the time. Okay. That's a slam. That's a, that's a grand slam. It's a good one, right? It's a great one. This other one, actually, I, I'm contributing a listener didn't, but no traction pad on a thruster. Oh, I do this all the time accidentally. Oh, do you? But just because I'm so lazy that if I get a new board that I really want to surf and don't have a traction pad around, 
I won't go get one. I'll just go wax it up and surf it. And once you wax it up and surf it, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, you're done. Yeah. I, I tried to mentally think that traction pads were uncool for a minute or like unnecessary and that I was going to go solely on my high performance boards for some unknown reason. Hmm. Then now I totally realize how, you know, it took me a few surfs to realize how absolutely wrong I was. Yeah. And yeah. A, tra- a traction pad, back foot traction pad is, is the greatest gift to surfing since fins. I agree. And I, I always use one on a thruster, but I'll go sometimes like a fish or other styles of boards sure. without a traction definitely, pad. Definitely, definitely. But, but the thruster, thruster, I'm thinking, can you see why I would present this as a topic? You don't really see intermediate surfers riding no traction pad on a thruster. You see Mason Ho doing it, Tom Curran. That's true. But I feel though there's enough there's enough accident in here okay. of like just I just had you know I got a board I didn't have a traction pad I didn't want to get one you know I mean but Fair I don't enough. see it's true though I don't ever see somebody ripping or I mean I'm sorry an, an intermediate on a throw I'm gonna start looking though but yeah. I'm gonna put this we should put this one up for consideration okay because I want to go look I'm gonna start paying attention to. Yeah, what people at the beach are writing. Okay, we'll leave a question mark on that one. Uh, okay, then, closing segment for the show, barrel or nah? All listeners submitted. Having a surfing picture as your profile picture on social media. So nah. So nah. It doesn't matter how good it is either. It could be you getting like the tube of your life at Chopu, like properly tubed, and no. All right. Do you agree? It's definitive. I, I do agree, and if you look at... Name any pro surfer and tell me, do they have a surfing picture? I know Kelly doesn't. Yeah. I know. Like, go through the list. I can't think of any that do. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. So I that's, think that's already a, it's a complete, like, it's great to have one. If you have a great surfing photo of you, you should frame, you know, blow it up as big as you can and frame it and put it on your wall. You should, you know, yeah. I mean, that's great to have as your profile picture. It's not cool. Not cool, dude. Yeah. So, uh, do you have photos of yourself surfing? Very few. Me too. Yeah, very, very few. Why? Because uh, I never, I would never impose upon somebody to go take photos of me surfing, right? Yeah. Like, I would feel bad for the cameraman. Like, the ones I have, most are from Yemen, uh, oh, okay. which is, you know, 15 years ago or whatever yeah. at this point. So, yeah. Do you want more photos of yourself? Hell no. Really? Yeah, do you? I've... I mean, narcissistically, I would love to have some. Yeah. If, if those photos would reflect what I want to see... As opposed to what they would actually reflect. True. Here. Okay. True. So I've found myself in a dilemma in recent months where um, I feel like my um, credibility as a surf podcaster is on the line. Mm. Where like it's grown to a point now and enough people are chiming in where they want some street cred. They want to know like that I can actually surf, but I don't have any surf photos of myself. You should, you should get a little, I mean, I'm sure somebody, there's gotta be a surf photographer or a photographer out there who, who's listening, who would, who would well, agree the, to show up on a day that was good and snap a couple. I think that they would too, but do you really want to go through that effort? That's a kooky move. I'm not going to do that, but I, I think, but I don't feel I'm kooky any, enough to do it. No, I just don't feel any pressure I, because I think that I surf and I know that I surf and if somebody, I think, I think that what I write about and how I approach writing and everything, I'm, if I was out there saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting huge barrels at, you know, cloud break all the time, yeah. then sure. Like demand that of me. I've never once claimed to be anything more than I am. Yeah. And I feel totally satisfied with my ability as a writer, whatever that is, is in no way, does in no way correlate to my ability as a surfer. And even if I stopped surfing entirely, 
and still wanted to write about surfing, that would be 100% fine as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Okay, I agree with you. And actually, that's kind of the conclusion I've landed on on my own because I've thought about doing what you said, which is like, bring a photographer down and actually try to get photos, which is so anti my personality. But if you want, I mean, I could see though wanting to see how you looked, right? I yeah. Mean, like really okay. pay, pay a kid to sit there and say, okay, this is not for any other reason that I just, I would, you know, cause I think it'd be valuable. I mean, totally. very few clips I've ever seen of me surfing, you know, as unfortunate as they are to really witness, uh, I think you learn stuff. I think you think, okay, next time I'm going to do this, right? I mean, that's probably why pros are so good. Half the time is because they're just staring at themselves all the time. That's a good point. Um, There would be value in that. I guess where I've landed is like, if I'm only pandering down to the listener to try to validate my existence, well, then I'm not going to do it. And that's why I haven't done it thus far. But I do want to see it. I do actually want fate to align to where there's actually a photographer where I'm surfing that it gives me the photos that or grabs, something that grabs the shot of you doing the move that yeah. actually has his camera. I mean, but that's the, that's thing. Like the other the, thing. The chances that all those things align, like yeah. the fact that there's a photographer there, you're out there, the wave comes, he's not focused on the pro he's supposed to be focused on, but right. it's shifted over to you. And then you deliver like, that's why you just need to hire. So slim. You just need to hire one and, and, and don't feel bad about it. Don't feel narcissistic yeah. or anything. Just say, Hey kid, Come down, take some shots. Here's the other thing. Even if I got those photos, I don't think I'd post them. Of course not. You know what that's, I not mean? The, that's not it's the like, point of it. The point yeah, would be for yeah. you to look and see, oh, that's how I look. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. My buddy, I have a number of friends who get photos of themselves all the time. I don't know if they're just surfing at beaches where there's like a bunch of hobby photographers on the beach, which there is in Huntington at the pier, but it's like, I'm not, I don't really surf the pier that yeah. much, you know? So. It's tricky. All right. So that's a straight out gnaw. Straight gnaw. All right. Barrel or gnaw number two, farting in front of your partner. Oh, I'm, I'm super gnaw on that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to, I had, why? A, I had an ex-wife who would, who, Hey, I had one ex-wife who would do that <laughs> a lot and it just disgusted me. And so I attach that straight to ex-wife, mm. like a, a habit that I thought was gross. Uh, yeah. So that put me off at across the board. So what do you do? Nothing. You just hold it in. You hold it in or you, if, I mean, if it's an emergency, you excuse yourself, exit the room, exit the room and then wait. Yeah. Like let it all air out. I mean, do the best you can. You know, sometimes you, there's going to be, there's going to be some linger. Exactly. But it's being, I feel like the, Oh, we're a couple. Let's just, let's just be totally our grossest selves in front of each other. That's, that's uncool. Like, why do you want to, I mean, I get it. Like, yeah, the person loves you, you know, flaws and all. That's an argument right there is like, no, we love each other so much. Sure. But it's, but why, why make somebody really go out of their way to love you? Right. Yeah. All right. That's a nah. I'm going with nah on that one too. Good. I think, uh, to an earlier point you made on one of our initial podcasts was like the, the romance is going to wane eventually anyways. You don't need to expedite the process. Precisely. And yeah. just to turn into like farty burpy and we're in bed. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not cool. Yeah. Who wants to be that? I don't want to be Al Bundy. We're also not um, comedic partners here. Yeah. No, you're, it's like a love story. Exactly. That's what I say. So the fastest way to end the love story is go gas out your there. partner. Totally. And, and ask for her to gas you out or him. Yeah. Unless you're into that sort of thing. I guess. There's probably websites devoted to that chance. <laughs> All right. Um, van life barrel or not? Nah, I'm nah. straight up non van life. Really? Yeah. I don't okay. like it. I, I'm, I'm barrel on tiny living or whatever. Small. Oh yeah. Living. Yeah. Like if I had a, you know, 200 square foot 
like home somewhere. That's awesome. I think, yeah. but like van life, no matter how you cut it is so dirty. I mean, if you've ever been traveling in a van with yeah. anyone else or even yourself, it's filthy. There's no such thing as a not, it's just like, ugh. I mean, it's functional, I guess, but no. Okay. Major trend near your house is not living in the van, but having the yeah, sprinter van and exactly. then parking Kid it out. at the beach and like all day long, you're camped out I'm at the beach. Straight nah, still. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you have a sprinter van that you've kitted out, then you're from Vista as far as I'm concerned. And I know they're not like there's all kinds of people in Cardiff and Encinitas and yeah. Lucadia. The sprinter vans kitted out everywhere that they do park at the beach. But if that's, a, if you can't go to the beach and just enjoy the beach and then go the four blocks back to your house, then come on. I have the perfect solution. Hmm. And I think you do too. The station wagon. Oh yeah, totally. That's what I have. Me too. Yeah. It's the best. I love a station wagon. I've never been in a position where I couldn't fit everything that I needed. I've fit eight board, no more than eight boards in there to do Mexico trips. Sure. Like it's perfect. Worse. I mean, worse, like horrible disaster comes to horrible, horrible disaster. You can still sleep in there. If you fold the seats down, like I fold the seats down in the back and blew up an air mattress and slept in there. Sure. I mean, you can do anything in an, in a station wagon, like except for, uh, you know, unless you're going like deep Baja big, you need a four wheel drive or True. something like that, but th- your sprinter ain't getting you there either. So right. good yeah. point. All right. Here's the problem with your tiny living goals, yeah. the 200 square foot house, and then not farting in front of your partner. Yeah. Those things are in direct conflict. No, it's outside. You, you, you outside. exit the home. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's raining or what either. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then yep. you got it all sorted you out. Exit your tiny house. <laughs> I, I really underestimated your planning in this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Final <laughs> barrel or not surfing high. I've never done it, yeah. so I have no idea. Yeah. Dude, what do you think? I'm sure it's amazing. I've never done it either. Um, I have a, a friend of mine who almost exclusively, I mean, I don't know anymore as like adults. Are you talking about high, like, like smoking weed and then surfing, or are you talking any drug and, well, or drug so or whatever? Well, so those are different conversations, sure. but we, we could give examples of professional surfers doing hardcore drugs yeah. and going out there and winning events doing it. Yep. So there's an argument to be made there. Um, I'm mainly the listener who submitted this. He didn't stipulate what kind of drug, but I had a buddy back in the day, kind of high school, college days that exclusively surfed high sure. and surfed amazing. Yep. And it was on weed. He would smoke weed, but, it, and I think like, obviously that's pretty pervasive in surf culture, but he surfed far better on weed than he did not. I mean, I could totally get it. The, the, uh, kind of loosening the bonds between mind and body, I think. So I'm going to say barrel on this one as we talk about it, even though I've never done it just because not being in so in your head, I think would be is valuable for any kind of physical thing. I know with snowboarding, uh, I go with people who insist on getting high before each run and I see why, right? Like their lines are smooth and they're just in the moment. I think that's one thing that uh, marijuana can do for you is, is put you more in the moment where you're not just thinking about other stuff. I mean, it can make you paranoid and whatever too, I guess. But yeah, I think I'm going to go barrel. Now the question is, um, if your reaction times slow down and all that sort of stuff, like what if you can't avert disaster? But I don't, I think you're, I think it would actually almost help in some way, right? Like your body, I think knows what it needs to do more than your mind does. Mm. And so like, if you're headed for this section and you're thinking about it rather than just like flowing through it, I mean, how I've been surfing for 30 years now, uh, of my life. Like if my body can't remember what to do, then it was going to be a disaster anyway. You're talking about examples of where you're on the wave actually trying to perform. What about if you find yourself in peril? Like drowning? Yeah. 
Um, you want to have your wits about you, I would think. Kind of, except look at all those all those methy big wave surfers. And I know that's different than marijuana, but still, like maybe you don't want your wits about you. Yeah. Maybe it's way better if your wits are not about you. Yeah. Um, there are examples of a lot of success stories. So yeah. I'm, I would be hard-pressed to actually argue definitively against surfing high. Should we try it? Should we make it a, a uh, part of the next show is to come back with our surfing high? Oh, I can't. I'm going to be out of the water for the next couple of weeks. But we, we could incorporate it into the wetsuit challenge yeah. and the everyday board yeah, challenge. We have a lot of things that are happening. Um, so the other argument that I think about is like, as with the writer getting into an inebriated state to let creativity flow or any other artist... Is surfing an extension of that? I think know? so. I mean, I totally. Th- Maybe I think you, you draw your most creative lines. I would think, and I, the fact that I've never done it is probably like to my to my detriment. surfing skill detriment. It is. Yeah, totally. That's why I'm a solid intermediate. Okay, so we're going um, barrel barrel yeah. for surfing high yep. barrel barrel. Wow, this show has been really. We've advocated a lot of substance use in this show. I mean, I think <laughs> I think properly. I think appropriately. Yeah. Well. Um, Anything else? Or where can people find you? Obviously, beachgrit.com. Beachgrit. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you can find all the imagery, all the videos, everything that we discussed in the show. There's a comment section there and on beachgrit.com. And then, of course, on Instagram at Reports from Hell and Surf Splendor. Rate and review the show in iTunes. That's what I always tell people. That helps our show grow. To listeners who have not yet found us, if they go type in the word search and they're look or surf in the search function, trying to find new podcasts, we will pop up for them to find if you rate and review the show. So do us that favor and share it with friends. Shout out to the Surfrider Foundation for hosting us as always. And until next time, Chaz, two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Get barrel. Get barrel. Someone's got